guys. Welcome back for another episode with me, Nick. And as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Ronnie. It's not as always, because Belinda was here a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. You always have to point out obvious, and that's a real always. 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 <laughs> so, Ronnie, like a weekend we had, hey, we had one of our mates, Nappy or Dukabrai. And it was quite funny for me to see there, you know, you've got the married with kids on the way, and then the hard singles. There's no in-between in our group at the moment, which gave me quite a laugh. When I saw the photos. More time for the rugby? Absolutely. I don't know. I'm enjoying the free time and it's lucky to watch the sport. But a hell of a lot went on in the rugby world this week. So maybe let's start by just covering the URC. Sharks, Friday night, they hosted Benetton. Getting a 43-33 win and keeping their playoff hopes alive. Must win for the Sharks. Absolute must win. And a difficult team to beat Benetton, right? We've seen this over a couple of recent months, years perhaps. Many Italian internationals, a couple of South Africans sprinkled in there, and it's a difficult team to beat. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, the Leinster of Ireland is Benetton of Italy, on scale, on scale. I'm not saying quality, uh, but... Bold statement. <laughs> bold statement. Well, talking about bold statements, I really enjoyed Ben Whitehouse as a ref this weekend. He was very, very strict, penalizing Ox for faking and trying to get a penalty. But my best moment from him... And I'm not sure what the prop's name was, but one of the Benetton props comes on and he starts complaining about how he's just come on and now he has to scrum. And the ref looks at him, he goes, well, I didn't kick the ball dead now, did I? <laughs> Puts him right in his place, scrum time, there we go. How can he be complaining? It's like all the props do. do. You know, it's what you're paid to do, scrum. Yeah. And it was also entertaining for me to see, you know, Ox gets penalized in the beginning, the ref has a talking to him. And Ben Whitehouse must have given him some hectic tips because... Three scrum penalties followed immediately thereafter. Well done. Well done. Yeah, look, it's not easy to beat Benetton, as I mentioned. It's still a high-scoring game on both sides, but the Sharks' attack was on fire. So, well done. We shared a couple of clips, you know, of of really quality tries from the Sharks. That was good to see. Yeah, some very good quality. And, you know, both sides here securing the bonus point by the 60th minute. But you want to see the Sharks' defense get tightened. And I'm going to say it again, you know. At the moment, their game plan seems to be give the ball to a springbok and let's hope that we get a try. There's not much cohesion. There's not much of an attacking pattern. Or as Nick Maddox says, you know, they, they don't have their identity as a team. No, I agree. It's been a number of years like this, actually. So I'm hoping with John Bluntree coming back into the mix, you know, we'll go back to the Sharks of old. Yeah, that's definitely something we want to see. Then we take a trip to Ulster. They were home at Kingspan Stadium. 40 points to 19 win over the Dragons was a very important win for Ulster. It moved them up ahead of the Stormers on the log. Absolutely. So Ulster taking taking that win and moving up in the log. But look, at the end of the day, second and third, you know, you've pretty much secured your home semifinals and quarterfinals. So they're never going to get to first to secure the home final, you know, from Leinster. But yeah, well done. Fighting it out with the Stormers for the possible of a home semi, though. That's... Yeah. And- yeah, that's that's a dangerous area for the Stormers to be competing in at the moment. You obviously want to play. They're traveling a lot, the Stormers. They Leinster, then they were back down here. They were back up there. So it's a lot of travel for them up up and down. That's definitely true. And then we saw Glasgow get a 12 points to 9 win over Scarlets. Before the big one, at actually at Ellis Park, it was a double header there. Bulls getting a 78-12 win over Zebra. Very disappointing from Zebra. They failed to pitch at all in that fixture. Yeah, absolutely. 78 points. I didn't realize how big it was, actually. So it's the biggest score in the URC. History? Yes. Wow. 
amazing. Bulls, the Bulls do that. I mean, if you think about 15 years ago in Super Rugby when they had, you know, the biggest win margin in the final. Against the Reds. Against the Reds. And uh, that's amazing. So the Bulls really know how to score when they, when they want to. Yeah, so I mean, the Bulls in that one, they secured 11 tries. Cannon Moody got a hat-trick. Man of the match going to Kirkley Aronson, though, I mean, he was integral in setting up many of those tries with his grubber and his key linking play. So good to see him. And he's actually starting to remind me a little bit of Vili and how he enters the line and, and sets up the players around him. Very, very good playmaker. Then two questions I have for you on this game, Ronnie. So we saw Johan Gersen return now. Uh, I feel like he's completely out of the box selection frame. Do you think there's anyone that can still debate the merit of selecting him? I don't think you can say he's completely out because we don't really have a number of, of flowers to choose from at the moment. We spoke about this, Andre Pollard, Marnie Libok, where's Elton Yankees, but that's about it. Yeah, it's true. And obviously you've got Damien and France that can cover there in an emergency. But like you say, depth is a problem. I just don't see... He's never really come back from all his injuries. He's constantly out. And this is actually... An opportunity for you to call him. I don't know what you're injury prone. Here we go, right? But he's not injury prone. He's just like uh, iffy, you know, because there was he was in that contract and then he retired from rugby to kind of get out of that contract. Then he came back and he wasn't quite in the mix. And then yes, injury prone, sure. But I don't want to call him injury prone. I want to call him just iffy. Iffy. Well, that's Ronnie's new term for the week, guys. Iffy. And then the other thing I want to talk about is Johan Krobelar. Now, he's having a good season for the Bulls. The last few games, he's really put his hand up. But someone that hasn't yet gotten a Springbok cap, do you see him edging out Dweber for the third hooker spot? Yeah, this is it. A couple of seasons back, about have even been last season, or I think the URC at the beginning of last year, he played exceptionally well for the Bulls. Really, really well. And he was someone that I thought, geez, this guy is perhaps very unlucky because he's competing with the likes of Malcolm Marks and Bongi for that one-two selections for Springbok. And then obviously you've got Dweber in the mix as well. I don't think he's possibly going to usurp uh, Dweber just yet, but he's definitely a quality hooker. Yeah, I think he, he might be the next in line after the World Cup when we start rebuilding the squad a bit. But definitely enjoying what I'm seeing him put out there. And then, Ronnie, we take a move over to the Lions versus Leinster. So we say was... move over, but just to clarify, the Bulls and Lions both played at Ellis Park. Correct. You could tell by the lack of fans in the stadium. <laughs> uh, so Lions somehow managing to lose that one, 36-39 to Leinster. 10 minutes to go. They were leading by, what, 14 points or something, to, by, by 12 points or, or something like that. And I thought they, the Lions would have it in the bag. And then Leinster just hit back. So, a little bit disappointing that the Lions couldn't close it out. You could see it in their demeanor. Shoulders dropped, heads down. They weren't happy at the end of the game, the Lions. And I agree, they should have won that one. Yeah, I mean, the Lions secured two bonus points out of that game. One for the losing and one for the four tries. But that only takes them to 10th on the log. And from there, they, they have no hope of making the playoffs anymore. Also crazy to see that Nohamba offload to Marius Lowe. That was quite a piece of yeah, play you, from Nahamba. You sent me that one though on WhatsApp. You shared that with me and I, I agree. That was that was amazing to see. More disappointing to me though, both are ex Sharks players. Yeah, it up in Joburg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say. And then I think last thing we just need to mention here is Yaku Creel. That was his last home game for the Lions before retirement. Legend of the game there in Joburg, and he's a former Springbok, so... And he was a quality Springbok. I yeah. think he was just very unlucky with possible selections that happened, and then injuries as well, also injury-prone. There we go. Not no, iffy, a, injury-prone. He wasn't iffy, he was, he was just unlucky. And 
you know, he could have been a great Springbok, but yeah, didn't so, fall his way. Before next week's episode, Ronnie, you and I are going to sit down and we're going to do a scale of iffy to injury prone. And I'm going to get give you like five to ten players and then I want you to rank them on that scale so we can figure it out. Okay. Fair okay. enough. Fair enough. And then, you know, Stormers, also a disappointing one from a South African perspective. They went down at home for the first time in 15 games. That's two years. Two years. 24-26, they lost to Munster. Yeah, that's disappointing, right? Well, look, it's disappointing. But if you're like me, don't like Western Province slash Stormers, then well bloody done, Munster. But as a South African, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, I think that was very disappointing to see. And obviously, Munster winning puts more pressure on the rest of the log that's trying to fight for playoff spots. Dobson coming out there, and I must say, I really appreciate his honesty. He simply said, you know, there's no positives. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat this. There were no positives in that game, except maybe the fact that we suffered no injuries. And the players seem to like a coach that, that's clear and forward to them. And I really appreciated that from a, a fan's perspective or an observer's perspective. I couldn't agree more. What makes it worse, he suffered two losses on the same day because Western Province also lost in the Curry Cup. And it was Dobbo's birthday. So not oh, the greatest sucks. Saturday, y'all. Yeah, that sucks. That definitely sucks. Then, Ronnie, we saw Marnie Lubbock have a bit of an off day. All the haters coming out on Twitter. Yeah, I saw that. Haters gonna hate. But I still think Marnie Lubbock just needs to grow a little bit of confidence. We need to possibly back him because he is quality at the moment, I think. And I, if Harry listens to this, Sorry, Harry, but I have to disagree with you. Lubbock is a quality fly-off. Yeah, I mean, Eddie Jones has actually said it's young fly-halves you need to give them time and exposure. And although Lubbock in age might not be young, in terms of actual playing opportunity at the highest level, he is still young. And it would be great to back him. I think one off game, you can't discount the kicking percentages he's put on all season, the quality attack game that he brings and defense. And I, I still definitely back Lubbock. And I must just say... I'm recently on Twitter with Rugby Punted. There's nothing that annoys me more than these Twitter angry people on their head. No. It really, it takes every fiber of my being not to enter that debate arena. No, it is. And there's a lot of trolls on there. There's a lot of trolls. You can always pick a fight if you're looking for one on Twitter. And then, Ronnie, you know, we were chatting a little bit over the weekend about a potential box squad and looking at which locks will go through to the World Cup. And I don't want to enter that arena too much, but I want to talk a little bit about Marvin Ori because he's someone that's really got the pathway to box selection at the World Cup at the moment. But his discipline on Saturday, again, a big, big problem for the Stormers. He put his eyes, his hands in Peter Mahoney's eyes twice in that game. And I'm sorry, there's no place for that. And especially not for a Springbok hopeful. You know, they, there's absolutely no reason to be doing that. You are not Bucky's water. Or Skulk Berger. Yeah. He did that in the Lions 2009 tour. Yeah, look, it's unfortunate. But we have a history of ill-disciplined locks. So he wouldn't be... He's not the first. He's not the only. And uh, that's just unfortunately seems to be the case with some of our, our big forwards. They tend to lose their brain cells a bit. Yeah, I think he really needs to clean that up. Because I have a strong feeling that this World Cup is going to come down to penalties and red cards and things like that. And that's not something you, you can afford to take along if that's, that discipline issue is going to persist. Then, Ronnie, Edinburgh, 45, 21 Ospreys. Good win for Edinburgh in that one. Yeah, they needed it. Well done to Edinburgh. And then Connacht, 38, 19, win over Cardiff. Dill, our mate was there. Dill, if you're listening, shot for sending through those, those images and videos. I think the guys enjoyed seeing that a lot. Looked like a pretty good atmosphere there. 
Yeah, so this was obviously a very crucial win for Connacht because I'll talk about it in a moment. You know, they are in the bottom half of the top eight and they're competing with the Sharks and the Bulls to sort of qualify for Champions Cup next year and whatnot. And their position's very important. So this was a must win for them and uh, they managed to pull it off. It definitely was. So do you have the, the log for us there, Ronnie, after these round of fixtures? I do. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to forget about the from position 10 to 16. I hope that's all right with you. I am going to mention that in ninth place currently is Benetton. So they are the only team that can still make it into the top eight, but that aren't currently in the top eight. So Benetton's currently sitting on 41 points. We then have the Sharks in eighth place. You know, it's as average as it gets. <laughs> Honestly, the world's most average team, Sharks. Uh, They're currently on 40 points. Then we've got the Vodacom Bulls on 48. Connacht on 49. Munster, 53. Glasgow on 58. DHL Stormers on 63. Ulster winning this weekend and, and jumping the Stormers to 64. They're in second place. And then obviously Leinster right up at the top where no one can catch them. That's unfortunately where they sit. So. I did a little bit of predictions and I basically tried to establish who's going to end where at the end of the 18th round. I'm going to mention that. So for me, it's going to be Celsi Sharks in eighth. You know, Benetton have to have to get maximum points in their game this weekend and win by a massive margin. And the Sharks lose by a massive margin in order for Benetton to get into the top eight. So I've left as the Celsius Sharks in 8th. I have predicted that Connacht is going to end 7th, the Bulls 6th, Munster 5th, Glasgow 4th, DHL Storm is 3rd, 2nd is Ulster and 1st Leinster. So this is important, right? Because when you start looking at the Champions Cup, because Cardiff, regional champs on their, in their pool, and they're currently in 11th, which means that they will qualify for the Champions Cup, which means the top 7 from the URC are potentially going to go to the Champions Cup. However, if Benetton win in win the Challenge Cup, they're going to push out whoever finished seventh in the URC. So there's a lot of things that a lot of permutations that could happen. I just for example looked at the Sharks and I said in order for the Sharks to make it into the Champions Cup, uh, the following needs to happen. The Sharks must win this weekend. The Bulls must lose this weekend. Toulon or Glasgow must win the Challenge Cup. And the Bulls must not win the URC. And only then can the Sharks make it into the Challenge Cup or the Champions Cup. Otherwise, we're going down to the Challenge. That's unbelievable. So what you're basically saying to me and to all the listeners is that the Sharks are in a pretty shit position, right? Yeah, they're in a bit of trouble, though, if they were hoping to play Champions Cup next year. And the Bulls as well, they've got to be nervous because if either Glasgow or Toulon don't win, then, you know, potentially seventh place in the URC is also going to fall away and the winner of the Challenge Cup will then find themselves in the Champions Cup. Yeah, so only the Stormers are safe. Only the Stormers are safe. Sure, that's a bit of a worrying aspect. But on that note, maybe then it's prudent that we take a look at the fixtures for this weekend. So Stormers will be hosting Benetton down in Cape Town. Ulster will be playing Edinburgh at home. The Lions have Zebra. That's a double header now at Loftus this weekend. Dragons versus Scarlets, Bulls versus Leinster. So what you're saying is we have to back Leinster in this one. Well, if you're thinking from a Sharks perspective and wanting them to be in the Champions Cup next year, yes, we've got to back Leinster. 
But if you're a diehard South African and, and want to want the South African teams to do well in general, then back the Bulls. Yeah, and you know what would be quite funny? If the Bulls do beat Leinster now, it will be the first time most of their squad has lost for club or country. The last time they have lost was to the Bulls in the semi-final last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable for those Irish players. Then we've got the Sharks hosting Munster. That's going to be a big fixture. The Sharks did beat Munster in the Heineken Cup recently. Ospreys versus Cardiff, and then Warriors hosting Connacht. And guys, the week after, we're heading into the quarterfinals. Crazy stuff that the season's coming to an end. Look, can you believe it? It's our, what, our second year that we've completed the ERC. It's gone by in a flash. It was just the other day that we had COVID, and we were talk, and we were suddenly moved into the ERC. A lot's happened. You know, I like it. I'm glad that we moved out of Super Rugby. Yeah, I'm also very, very happy with the move. So then, Ronnie, we have a big debate coming up in the episode for those guys that are keen to hear us chat about the Springbok coach and his resignation. So let's just gloss over the Curry Cup a little bit. Sharks 20, 24 Bulls. Sharks losing that one at home, not what you want to see. Yeah, absolutely not very nice. But look, I think the Sharks are still very much focused on, say, beating Benetton this past weekend and the URC fixtures that are coming up. So. They might be prioritizing those teams over the Curry Cup. Yeah, that's for sure. Western Province going down 17-26 at home against the Cheetahs. Cheetahs reclaiming top spot with that victory, so that's good for the men from the Free State. Then we take a look at the Griffins, 6-64 for the Pumas. Mm. Pumas the scoring mighty low-felt Pumas. Ailing yeah. Pumas. Pumas scoring 10 tries in that fixture, so well done to them getting back up after their loss to the Sharks. And then Lions going down at home, 18-25 to the Griquas. Yeah. No, look, Griquas, well done. they back into winning winning form. So good, good on them. And also, we just moved over, glossed over the Pumas really quick, but I'm very proud of them. 64 points against the team that beat the Bulls the other day. So well done. Oh, that's actually true. The Griffins did beat the Bulls. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh. Don't laugh. The Sharks left. Oh, come on. And then also, Ronnie, I think we need to give a huge shout out to the NWUUU Eagles. In Triple U. <laughs> in Triple U <laughs> Eagles. They won the Varsity Cup there at home on the Fani de Toyo Stadium. 27 25 win over UCT Ikees. And when we spoke to Matt Proudfoot, he said, Be wary of NWUUU. <laughs> so, well, Matt, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, so well done to them, guys. That's their second Varsity Cup title. Big shout out to you guys. You played very well. I watched the game last night. I was very impressed with your defense. So who are you supporting next gen the Varsity Cup considering your team's now been relegated to the Shield? Just because it's so fun to say N-W-U-U-U. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ronald? I think I'm also going to most likely support the, the champs. So N-Triple-U for me. So, Ronnie, a couple of rugby rumors that we need to just get out the way. Then we're going to delve into this chat about Jacques Nienaba. The first one is Ruan Ackerman looks set to play for England. He looks set to get a call up ahead of the World Cup. So he might be joining them. Look, that was always going to be a possibility, right? It's, it's a lot of these players, when, when they move up north in search of money so young, you know, three years goes by very quickly. And then suddenly you're a resident and you can play for these teams and, and go for it because, I don't know, was he going to be a Springbok? No. And then Paul Jordan coming out and posting on Twitter yesterday, do you guys want to see me come out of retirement? To be honest, I didn't know he had retired. (laughs) (laughs) 
I really loved him when he was at the Sharks. He was a quality player, but I lost track of him when he, when he moved to Europe. He last represented La Rochelle. So I wonder where he could be making a comeback. Yeah, you're absolutely right. For all I knew, he was still at the Sharks. But uh, yeah, look, Paul Don. That's even worse than what I said, Ronnie. <laughs> yeah, look, well done, Paul Don. Come out of retirement, maybe. I don't know. And then Charlie Ewell's making a move to the Bulls. He's looking for some game time in the hope of making the England squad. I think that, you know, it's a short-term signing, but I think it's quite exciting for the Bulls to have him join them. It's always exciting when international players comply their trade in South Africa. I mean, I always wonder, you know, how, how, why would they come here? Because the Rand is worthless, but experience, right? But my absolute best, and I must give AP Rugby a shout-out for his comments on this, but Ewell's come out and said, you know, he chose the Bulls over the Stormers because of the scenery, because of the rugby, the, uh, the strong rugby culture here. And the great food in Pretoria. That's why he chose them. So AP Rugby tweets back, yeah, I've always loved the views of Midrand. I was like, That's <laughs> that gave me quite a laugh. Someone misinformed him about where the views He's are. He's definitely got country. it back with the views on Cape Town. There's quality food down there too. And that's where rugby started in the country. And in all honesty, the Bulls and Tucks aren't doing so well. So the rugby culture is probably a bit better than in Cape Town. Yeah. Someone misinformed you, but I'm sorry about that. And then, Ronnie, did you see the Los Pumas? They've changed their logo. To what? To a Puma. It's always been a, a Jaguar. jaguar. So Do you know, that's Puma. actually come up before. I've seen that. It was the Jaguares and then who? someone called them the Pumas. I think the South Africans dubbed them the Pumas many, many years ago or like many decades ago. And it stuck. Yeah. So they finally changed their logo. To a Puma. To a Puma. Oh, that was quite a funny thing for me to find out. I always thought it was a Puma, just a funny looking one. Then you've also got, unfortunately, Archie Snayman. He had a cracker for this against the Stormers. He's concussed, so he will be missing this game this weekend. <laughs> Injury prone. <laughs> okay, so guys, we're starting to get a, a picture of the scale. Injury prone. Injury prone. There we go, okay. Very injury prone. Does concussion count as an injury? Of course it does. <laughs> just testing you, Ronnie. I'm trying to find find out the scale, you know. Jack Noel has been charged by World Rugby for bringing the sport into disrepute. After calling the decision on Ollie Woodburn absolutely ridiculous, one of the worst he's ever seen, that was during the match, World Rugby's now come out and charged him, so he will be going through the same procedures as Russi. And I think it's quite clear, and I'm actually happy they're taking a stance now against more than just Russi. No, sure, but what it means is you can't say anything against World Rugby now. I mean, everyone has to just keep quiet and follow along. It's turning into... Some authoritarian dictatorship. One of us. One of us. Yeah, one of us. <laughs> Don't say anything. It's turning into bloody North Korea at this stage. You can't criticize World Rugby because they're just going to sanction you. Yeah, and there's actually a, quite a worry because I saw at least five or six players, the likes of Joe Marler tweeting about it, quite a number of the guys. So they could also be finding themselves in hot water. And then running a shout out to Chris Ashton. He scored his 100th try in the Prem this weekend. I mean, that's an astonishing feat for any player. So huge, huge well done there. A bit of a sad one. Ruan Pina set to retire in October. When's the World Cup kicking off? September. So he's on standby. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, that guy's going to go to the World Cup. Yeah, Ronnie. That, you Rassi told him he's not allowed to retire until he's made sure that he can't be selected for the World Cup. <laughs> so yeah, I think he's a huge servant of South African rugby. Definitely be sad to see him hang up his boots. Yeah, Ruan. Lacquer, though, thank you for all you've done for, for South African rugby. He's going to play Springboks in the World Cup. Ronnie, you know what? If that's true, I'll fly you to the game that he plays. 
You're, you're I'm, I might be in trouble now. You're gonna I know for a fact you're gonna edit that out of the pod. <laughs> so Ronnie, now I just wanna take a look at Jacques Ninoba. Everyone will have heard by now Jacques coming out and saying he won't continue with the Springboks after the World Cup. He had a contract that did run until twenty twenty five, but he's left the side or will be leaving the side after the World Cup to link up with Leinster. He's obviously loved Ireland when he was over there with Rossi and he wants to go back. So look, Leinster's a top team to go to, right? But so the Springboks. What's strange for me is he's actually not going there as a head coach though. Yeah, because they keep saying he's joining the coaching staff. Yeah, you know, so it's... he's replacing Lancaster, who is moving on. He's still gonna be working under Leo Cullen, who is more of a director of rugby sort of role. But it was interesting for me, they're not calling him the head coach. So Seems like a bit of a step down for me, but we're going to get into that now. The first thing I want us to talk about, Ronnie, is what do you make of the timing of this announcement? I think it's poor. I really do. It's the same that they, that they did with old Fuzzy uh, with the All Blacks. I mean, it's, it's disappointing. You've now got question marks hanging around the team or floating around your team. You don't need these sort of things in the build-up to a World Cup. People need certainty. They... They don't need to be focusing on the fact that they're going to lose their coach. If they feel comfortable with Jacques as their coach at the moment, and now, you know, he's just made sure that he's not going to be there after the World Cup, players are going to start getting nervous. So that was my initial reaction to this announcement. I thought, you know, why bring this So you set me up by asking me that right now. My initial reaction was also that, but then I thought about it more. And I mean, he's off to an Irish side, right? And if they'd kept this quiet, there's a high possibility of a media leak coming out at some point that Jacques Nienaba is moving. Then you've got to deal with players that may not have known, upset fans. He's come to the table, he's come clean and said, you know what, this is my plan, this is how it's going to go. And also remember, Leinster is an Irish side. They could have leaked it to help Ireland in the World Cup. So I do think the timing isn't great, but I think it was the best in the situation to come out, be clean, give the players a clear, clear direction of where you're going for the remainder of your time. And then, you know, after that, it's, it's someone else's turn. So sensible. Well done. Thanks, Ronnie. There's been a lot of stuff on Twitter saying, you know, Jacques Ninaba has made this move. He wants to step out of Rossi's shadow. What do you make of a comment like that? I can believe it. I can believe it. Rossi, we still week in, week out talk about Coach Rossi. And I hope Rossi's got a plan with the Springboks. And Rossi this, Rossi that. We hardly ever talk about Jacques. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Standing around the bride said, we probably need to start referring to our national coach, as, you know, as Jacques. We haven't been doing that. So it no, has no been unfair. Does. And if he wants to step out, then by all means, go for it. Yeah, so I think there might be some merit to that statement. I definitely think he has been in Rassi's shadow. We, Like you say, we have covered that a lot. Now, when would you say the best time to name a new coach would be then, Ronnie? Well, it depends if it's a World Cup year or not a World Cup year. But probably leave the announcements late as possible. Yeah, I would say leave it till after the World Cup. You don't have November tests coming this year, the Autumn Internationals. There's no rush to do it. And I would leave it till after that. You've now made a statement. Maybe the players know something we don't. But I think you've made your statement. Leave it at that. Let's focus on the World Cup. Absolutely. We don't need more ammo for trolls on the internet to criticize the team with. So leave it as late as it needs to be. You know, that coach is obviously going to know. And he's got his plans in the background and he'll do some work in the shadows. So he'll be prepared and hit the ground running. For sure. So the biggest curiosity I've seen on social media after this announcement is, is Rassi Erasmus going to coach the box again? 
I want to say no. I don't think so. I would love to see it, though. I'm sure he would, but I think he's got his eye on some other prizes. In South Africa? or Some other top jobs around the world, I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be other teams that would want to pay big money for to see him there. And, uh, well, let's see. Let's see how this World Cup goes. Because if we do, should we, should we win it, that might convince him to stay, right? Because then he's our saviour. We can't let him go. And he, too, has contracts until 2025. So it'll be interesting to see. I would love to see Rossi take the coaching over again. I feel like we didn't get enough of him as Bok coach with only the, the two years to the World Cup. And although he is still heavily involved, I would love to see him back in the coaching box formally and taking on that role. But that being said, Ronnie, do you feel the same as me about this, that this is the first time in a long time we've had a number of people that can step up as Bok coaches? Uh, yes and no. So I think we've got a number of people that can step up, but I think there's only real there's only two options, realistically. Okay, who are your two options? So I think John Dobson is absolutely a coach that I respect at this point. He's done exceptionally well with the Stormers, so I would back him. But I think realistically, it's going to be Mzondile Stick. Stalker's been there for a number of years now. I think that Rassi and Jacques and him have made a good team. Mzondile Stick is, has been primed for this position. And I think that it's realistically, it's going to go his way. You know, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, Ronnie, it's actually unbelievable how much you and I agree on this podcast recently. I also think it's very likely to be Mzondile Stick. But I did write down a couple of names that will all definitely toss their names into the hat when it comes to this. You've obviously got Rassi at the top. Then you've got the current coaches, Mzwandile Stick and Dion Davids. John Dobson, who you've mentioned. Then you've also got to look outside at Johan van Graan, yeah. Franku Smith, Johan Ackerman, Matt Proudfoot, Gary Gold, and Bafana Ntleko. I mean, there's, there's some real options there. Yes, varying scale. But there's definitely options. No, look, options for sure. But I think we just need to agree that South Africa has never chosen a coach that wasn't... Well, actually, she stand under correction because they picked, they picked Rassi, who was coaching abroad at the time, come home. So actually, you're absolutely right. could be any of those. It could be. Actually, forget everything I said. It could be anyone. <laughs> it really could be any of them. But I think your top four is probably Stick, Dobson, Dion Davids. And then at an outside chance, maybe Johan Ackerman. But I do think his stint in Japan has probably dented his chances a bit. Yeah, for sure. Look, I think realistically, we agree that Zondile Stick has been primed for this, right? He's been working closely with Rossi. He had a little bit of a stint before then as well. And I think he's just, he's ready. He they gave him the opportunity with the SAA side. Didn't go so well, unfortunately. But look, I think they gave him that op- that opportunity to to stretch his legs a bit. And I think that's it. Yeah, and if Stick is appointed, I would love to see Bafana and Tleko get promoted to the coaching staff as well. You know, he coached alongside Stick in the SAA game. He's been running the SA under-19 team quite well. Um, but ultimately, Ronnie, there's some chatter about it as well. What are the chances of us getting a foreigner? Never. Zero. Zero. So that's actually what I was trying to make the point. We have never gotten a foreign coach to coach South Africa. And I think if we ever do, People will riot. Yeah, I also don't see there being any chance of a foreign coach taking over. So that's that's probably not going to happen. You heard it here on Punted First, guys. <laughs> sure, you heard it everywhere. Everywhere. Then, Ronnie, just a shout out to a couple of guys that wrote into Punted this week. You guys are really awesome. We truly appreciate it. And that's a shout out for Brian, for Leroy, for Wes, for Jonathan, Lauren, Hendry, Alessia, and Tom. 
Thanks for getting in touch, guys. I really appreciated the chats we had about the game and the coaching changes. Did you chat with every single one of these people? I did indeed. Do you ever do you do anything other than chat to these people? I'm a friendly guy, Ronnie. <laughs> you know, you clearly don't have a day job. Yeah, clearly not, apparently. So then this week's fan topic that goes to Richard Jacobs. Richard, please write into us with your address so we can send you some punted merch. This isn't really a, a question. This is Richard sort of called us out and said, you know, he doesn't necessarily agree with our assessment of Ellis Park running as South Africa's worst stadium. And I must admit, Richard's not the first person that's come out and said this to us. Mm. And Richard, you've now, you know, I'm nothing if not willing to admit that I'm wrong. Ronnie's here sighing in the background, but he knows I'm right. I'm not going to say anything, but okay, carry on. <laughs> so Richard, you gave me an idea here. And what do I think Ronnie and I are going to do? I'm going to put it out on Punt It and get all of our, our listeners and followers to vote on it. You know, the best way to get to the stadium, the best way to leave the stadium, where to sit at the stadium, where to grab a beer at the stadium. We're going to do all those things, break it down, let everyone vote. And on game day against Los Pumas, Ronnie and I will follow that and see if we can have a different experience. And then we will re-rate Ellis Park. Look, I think it's worth saying that we've had some memorable moments at Ellis Park. We've watched Patrick Lambie make match-winning tackle against Fekitoa and then, you know, kick over the post and we beat the All Blacks. You know, we've seen Brian Abana score multiple tries right below us against the All Blacks. We've seen some incredible games there. We watched, we were 21 points down to England. South Africa came back and won that. That was when Faf de Klerk manhandled Maro Etoje. Yeah. So we've seen some, we've had really iconic moments and some of the best games I've ever watched. We just unfortunately had a few too many bad experiences there that have just soured that. And yeah, that's unfortunate. I suppose also the fact that we went to Cape Town Stadium, Greenpoint, which was built with proper facilities planning in mind, crowd control, flow of people is fantastic. That's probably when you when you go and experience something like that, then go to Ellis Park. It's unfortunate. So, look, I do have to say Ellis Park's good, but it hasn't been great lately. Yeah, so we'll definitely do that and then give it a new review. But just, I think, Ronnie, to end this episode off this week, I have a rugby factoid that I found out that absolutely blew my mind. Can you guess the under 13, 9 and 10 pairing for the Pumas some years ago? Some years ago. Yeah, I'm not going to give you a time. It's the most ridiculous 9 and 10 pairing you could ever imagine. Okay, well, Faf de Klerk and Jacques Boertus. Nope. Bucky's Boerter played at scrum half and Donnie Rousseau at fly half for the Pumas at under 13 level. Can you imagine? That is unfreaking believable I would hate to face them. Can you imagine? Even Butch James wouldn't have liked to face down on Donny Rousseau there and at opposite 10. So interestingly enough, maybe just as a parting comment, so I watched Victor Matfield's comments, listened to his comments on where he mentioned that actually. And he said the only person that could match Bucky's Boerter's physicality was Donny Rousseau. Yeah, that's unbelievable actually, hey? Good luck, guys. Thanks for joining us this week and have a lucky one. Don't forget to like, subscribe and give us a follow on your preferred listening platform. Mm-hmm.